Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello, Steeler fans. Welcome to the Curtain Call Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. With me, as always, Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It, it's just raining and, and it's going to rain all week and there's flooding going on and everything. But where I live, I don't have to worry about flooding, but it, it's, you know, it's just really wet right now. So it's good to be inside talking Steeler football. <laughs> you know what? It's good to have something new to talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought about this a bit. We've been in the deadest part of the off season. Now we have the great, great part of the season that is football in shorts. It may not mean much, but it means a lot more than what we've been talking about. <laughs> With you know, someone, hey, someone said something on a podcast. Mm-hmm, somebody, mm-hmm. Uh, somebody said something over here. Someone posted something on Instagram. I'll take, I'll take football in shorts over any of that all day long. Definitely. <laughs> You all right, Shannon? Yes. Okay. For, for our show today, for everyone listening, our show today, we are talking about training camp. We're going to talk about uh, reactions to the start of training camp, uh, and we're going to talk about our expectations, what we think needs to happen, or in my case, at least, I'm willing to say I have demands that I <laughs> of the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, for this training camp. So, Shannon... I want to give you the chance to start this. What is one thing you heard, saw, read about today that got you excited about the Steelers' first day of training camp? Oh, that's a tough one just to pick one. Because, you know, all day long. We'll, we'll get into more later, but yeah, just, yeah. just pick one to start. 
all day long, you know, it was just like, if anybody did anything, you have to pop it up, you know, so, so you're reading it and you'll read, I think it's funny. You could read three or four tweets from different people and they all describe it, but it might be just a little different. Somebody might see something a little different. But um, one of the clips I saw was uh, a pass along the right sidelines in one-on-one coverage with to George Pickens. And he had that big on bubble thing on his helmet. Uh, but I understand that's, you know, a safety requirement. But yep. he even with that on, and I know it's just, you know, shorts, but he leaps in the air. Catches the ball, completes the 360, lands and runs on into the end zone. The body control was immaculate. It, you know, that's Lynn Swan type plays. It catches. Yep. And, and for body control for a guy 6'3 and 210 or whatever he is, that that is incredible. So that really got my juices flowing. Yes. That is, that is, I I mean, who doesn't get excited about that? Mm-hmm. Uh for me, I'm gonna take. I'm going to take uh, Calvin Austin the third breaking a screen pass for mm-hmm. 61 yards. He said uh, Gunner Olszewski threw him a block and mm-hmm. it, it freed him up. And he said, anytime I see grass, I'm going to get there as fast as I possibly can. Bye-bye. And he was gone. <laughs> that, and you take those two, yeah, right? You take, you take Calvin Austin the third, you take George Pickens. That's where a lot of excitement for this year's Steelers passing game comes from like we don't have Ben Roethlisberger anymore and Mm -hmm. as as much as we talk about the limitations of the offense the offensive line and what he was able to do with that team last year that's still a loss but to have exciting new weapons to have as many potential weapons out there on the field you know even a young quarterback like Kenny Pickett's going to be able to find somebody who's open to make a play did you hear um I think it was uh might have been Nick who said that lots of motion, uh, you know, crossers, uh, you know, just so much focus on the center of the field um, and and guys coming open and, you know, stuff that they didn't even practice or do even in these, this situation with me because he really didn't want to have any part of it. And, and it was just something he allowed to happen before the play started so that he could do what he wanted to do. So mm-hmm. – you know, that's exciting because, you know, they said that Claypool, you know, made, was playing out of the slot some. That's exciting. And then, you know, again, affirm you. So, yeah, I, I, anytime I hear about that middle of the field, that gets me going. George Pickens, deep threat, body control. And like you said, CA3, you know, you miss, a guy slips, he breaks a tackle, and it's over. Yep. I mean, when's the last time the Steelers had that? So, yeah, I, I, that's awesome. Yeah. And the middle of the field attack, you, you talk about guys that are going to help that. You, a guy like Pickens is going to open that up. If you go back to last season, it's not hard to remember all the times. Ben is just throwing lobs to the sideline, like out of bounds half the time. Mm-hmm. Other times, like, and Claypool's just, he's just throwing a prayer. Like, yeah. you don't, I, I, I broke it down in my one film room. If you've got two and a half seconds, to throw that ball, you can see where to put it. You can see mm-hmm. if the guy's getting open or not. When you're throwing it at two seconds, when you're throwing even it at 2.2 te- seconds, which was his average throw time yeah. last season, you're throwing up a prayer. 
you're like, well, it's one on one. Let's, you know, let's let's see if he can win it and get to the spot where the ball is. Because you don't know how's the hand fighting going. Is he got is he got to mm-hmm. slow up and work through the guy? You don't know yet, and you already got to get rid of the ball. It doesn't You're... work. If the Steelers can get that going outside, you open up the middle of the field. If the Steelers can get the outside zone run game going, it opens up the middle of the field. They're they got the tools and the ability to do it. And that will be very exciting if they can force open the middle of the field and then attack it. I think it was they went back five years and Ben had three of the top five fastest, quickest getting rid of the ball. And last year he was by far the quickest in a gig because he had to. You know, three step drop, heave and a prayer. That was it. You mm-hmm. you know, you can't tell if, if the guy's beating his guy to the inside or the outside. You can't tell. You know, like you said, if you hold it for another half second, you know, stuff opens up. And uh, so, like you said, it just, it was too many heaves in a pair out of bounds, you know, and you say, well, you have to do that to try to keep the defense honest. Mm-hmm. But when they see you complete one out of four, it don't scare nobody. Yeah. No, nobody's, nobody was, and nobody was. And yeah. You look at, you look at our stats for our offense. It got so much better when people would put a second deep safety in there. If you went cover one against the Steelers, you shut them down because you got everybody in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to defend the outside of the field. Every, all the the short passing game was slants, ins and out. Like you're you're going to get a steady diet of five yard out routes. Okay, yeah. we'll take that. Like that's that's actually not an easy throw to make, and our cornerbacks can sit on that. You know, and and if mm-hmm. you take that away, then you're pushing everything to the middle of the field where all the defenders in the world were <laughs> last season. Uh, I want to I want to ask you real quick. I I'm bringing the guy up. Uh, they added a player. Steelers have a new player mm-hmm. on the roster. Running back Jeremy McNichols. I I've been working with Dave Schofield on a on a vertex about this guy, but I just wanted to know if you had any thoughts on him uh, at all, Shannon. Just from you know, kind of evaluating him a little bit before games when the Steelers have played the Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, I didn't remember him being in the NFL before he was with Tennessee, but he did so little with those other teams. He didn't, you know, that's yeah. why you, I hadn't really heard about him. It, when I thought about him, I thought, he, I thought he was still with the Titans. I didn't even know he signed with the Falcons in early part of free agency, but uh, he's a, he's an elusive little guy and, and he can really spell, take some of that third down, you know, work off of, Harris and they said today, again, it's you know without pads, but they said he held up good picking up the blitz. And you know, if he's smart and he and he'll put that effort in there, throw his body in there, you know, with the more with the additional mobility this year at the quarterback position, uh, you know, he could he could be a help because they're gonna have to take some of snaps off Harris. Oh, absolutely. And really, I was I was looking back and I was trying to think of the third down backs, right? The the stereotypical receiving back mm-hmm. who pass blocker and receiver more than a runner. And I'm going back and I was thinking, and I went back to Moel Day Moore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think if the Steelers have had anyone since Moel Day Moore that was really a good third down back. I know Isaac Redman played that for a bit with Jonathan Dwyer and and, and I think it was like what 2012 season. Uh, right before they drafted Le'Veon Bell, but he they they mostly just mixed it up. Like this guy might be the best pure third down back the Steelers have had since Moel Day Moore. 
I, I'm going to put Moelde Moore ahead of him because Moelde Moore had some yeah, years yeah, of yeah. actual starter. But I think he's what was Pegram? I seem to remember, huh? <laughs> Eric Pegram, that's a long time ago, man. Yeah, but I mean, I would try to think of anybody that fit that description. Yeah, there's very, very few. But mm-hmm. Moelde Moore was the the class act there, definitely. Oh yeah, he was a he was a really good one. He yeah, was a really yeah. good one. McNichols is really number two on that list because the Steelers haven't had many, mm-hmm. right? Le'Veon, I mean, you weren't going to take Le'Veon Bell off the field on third down. No, that was like it's like <laughs> that's his best down. Like you're not doing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like this guy could be that player, and I think that's a big boost to getting Najee Harris some mm-hmm. some rest, some extra snaps off. And at that point, maybe you can run one series, maybe two a game with Benny Snell, and you've got Najee Harris down to a good number of snaps and carries. But um, I I didn't really dive into a lot, but you have been. For the Vertex, does he offer anything on special teams? I have not looked at him on special teams on film, mm-hmm. uh, and he didn't he didn't play it a ton. I know when they they like he's not a returner. He's definitely not no, a returner. No. Uh, see, Snell, he played special teams, but not. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'd have to actually look at film, but that's not something you hear about, and that's not something people talk about with him. He's definitely not like a special teams ace. Uh, he's not. I wouldn't put him with like Benny Snell even because Benny Snell, you'll hear he, he plays a lot of special teams. He does a lot. He's actually shows up on special teams quite a bit. Uh, I wouldn't expect that. From McNichols, but don't in the same way that we didn't see that with Anthony McFarland. I, I think that you know, because McFarland has the potential to return punts, yeah. Now, whether you know they have so many good returners, I don't see that, but he's not, he doesn't offer much on coverage teams, whereas that Snell's bread and butter is in coverage. Uh, so I'm wondering if they give Snell a, a, a leg up in, in you know, uh in that competition. Yeah. I just looked it up to make sure. Cause I looked it up before, but I was, I was trying to remember, uh, he did not play much special teams after like his first year. Mm. Uh, so he, he hasn't been much of a special teams player more like if other guys are out, then he'll, he'll play a little bit where he's needed. Uh, I, I think you're right on that with, with Snell being sticking around. And, and I, I think this kind of spells an end to a guy like an Anthony McFarland. Mm-hmm. Where really, if you're not the number two guy right behind Najee Harris and you're not a special teams guy and you're not really a receiving back, you're not really a good blocker, where, where are you fitting on this yeah. team? Yeah, I mean, and Nichols is proven production. You know, he's done it. And McFarland hasn't been able to stay healthy and hasn't been effective when he has been in there. Again, a lot of that's the offensive line, but I, I, I think it, it really could spell trouble for McFarland. Yeah. To wrap up the running backs, do you think, does this, I'll I'll phrase it this way. The addition of Jeremy McNichols, are you okay with this running back room being the room week one and through the season? Are you okay with that now with just the addition of Jeremy McNichols as a third down back? Yeah, because you don't want to, if you bring anybody in who let's say would be a former starter and it could be a, a fill-in starter if something was to happen to Harris, it could be another Melvin Ingram situation that they're not going to be happy with the limited amount of touches they get on a weekly basis 
because Tomlin Harris is too good to bring out very much. You want to yeah. maybe knock eight to ten touches off of him a game versus what he did last year. That would yeah. be ideal. So you need a guy who is an accomplished backup who accepts being a backup. So some of the guys that people have talked about, like Johnson, and uh, there was another guy that I can't think of his name now, but all them guys I think are, would want more touches. They'd want more of a 60-40 split, and that ain't going to happen in Pittsburgh. That's not going to happen here. You're, you're absolutely right. That's not that's not going to be a thing here. I'm also cool with it. I'm like, you know what? That guy added, Benny Snell here can take a few reps. Uh, I mean, there, there were some times he came in and the Steelers didn't immediately punt. <laughs> there, were, there were there were a few there but i also i also want to with this bring up pat meyer because one of the things i jumped on early when they hired him and i've kind of let it go since then but I, I i feel like i've underplayed it is every time pat meyer has gone to a team he's gone there almost exclusively to teams with one really good rusher right mm-hmm. who had way too many carries they bring in pat meyer he brings in his style of offense. He brings in stuff. And you see a significant drop-off in the number of touches that number one running back gets when Pat Meyer joins that team. You see a significant drop-off. But in every case, you had a guy going to the Pro Bowl. Pat Meyer joins the team. He touches the ball up to 20% fewer times mm-hmm. in a season. Still makes the Pro Bowl. Mm. And oftentimes, if he had a – a lot of those carries would go to a quick running back, mm-hmm. a guy who did jet sweeps and did a lot of uh, of other stuff. It with the Steelers, I think you're going to see a lot of those carries go to Chase Claypool, go to even like uh, inside the little shovel passes, stuff mm-hmm. like that to people. You're going to see ways to manufacture runs that aren't reliant on the running back and you may see more from wide receivers. You may see some from Calvin Austin the third. Uh, I mean, Chase Claypool was two yards behind Benny Snell last year in rushing. He had 96 yards. Benny Snell had 98. That was mm-hmm. for our number two rusher last year. <laughs> Didn't even have 100 yards. Yeah. Didn't even have 100 yards. And also, every time this guy goes to a team, the quarterback sets records for their most rushing yards. Mm-hmm. almost every single time this guy goes to a team, the quarterback rushes more than he did in the past. They brought That's one of the reasons they brought him there to the Carolina Panthers was to keep, you know, to, to drop Christian McCaffrey's workload. And then he shows up there and Christian McCaffrey gets hurt right away anyways on a, you know, kind of a fluky play. And he doesn't get to, doesn't get to work with him. Mm-hmm. But that's something I think we need to consider there too, is that, a Jeremy McNichols is going to take him off the field for third down stuff for obvious passing situations like end of a end of the quarter, end of the mm-hmm. half drives. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to see Najee leave the field unless it's a key play where you want him as that extra threat as a receiver because you give the ball in that man's hands, he's incredible. But Did you gives- see um, Najee? I think it was the first day of report when they reported. He said, admittedly, there was times that he was really really tired. Yeah. And, you know, he, he probably should have came off the field, but he looked at his effectiveness dropped, you know, significantly when he looked back and he realized, well, I was really exhausted at this point. That's when you need to say, hey, you know, 
I'm tapping out for a second, and you need to have a quality guy that you can bring in. If the Steelers can be more effective on offense this year, be more versatile, uh, have some design bootlegs and rollouts and, and get some of the rushing yardage from the quarterback. Whoever that number two is, running back, you know, the backup, if he can get high 200, 300 yards on the season, that bodes well. As you said, yeah. that's something that's been consistent in Myers' uh, tenure everywhere he's mm-hmm. been. That bodes well for the Steelers. Absolutely. And uh, I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it's great. I think Najee Harris, I think a big deal is Najee Harris in that, in that talk showed a willingness mm-hmm. to put himself on the bench. And that's huge when you think of a running back who wants those carries, wants those yards, mm-hmm. wants those touchdowns. Wants that production because that's your money. That's where you get your money. That's where you get your career. You want the ball. For him to for them to have gotten to him, and I and I I don't even doubt that the Steelers put together like a presentation and was like, look, Najee, this is why we want to give you fewer carries. And we want you on board with it. Right? Where Najee could look at it and have that and say, you know what? Yeah, for the good of the team, I'm gonna need to know when it's time to take myself out. Like TJ Watt does. TJ Watt, well, you, you see him. He'll take himself off the field, get a breather, come back on. You got to do that for the good of the team. Hey, there it is. Two words that come to mind when you hear that from a young second-year guy is leadership and team first. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's two words, but you know what I'm saying. Leadership mm-hmm. and team first. <laughs> and and, and I, I know you read it. I, I wrote an article about Ben Roethlisberger's comments, and what struck – Mm-hmm. What struck me with those comments was that the team lacked that kind of what I'm going to call a team first enforcer, not a lead, just a leader who puts the team mm-hmm. first, but a leader who goes and checks other guys when they start getting more me first and is effective at that. And that's not just something you can be. We saw that when Ryan Clark retired and Troy Polamalu was supposed to be the leader of the defense. He wasn't that guy. Mm-hmm. Troy was never that guy. Troy was always soft-spoken. Troy's not going to mm-hmm. get in your face and tell you, hey, you know, you need to back the team and put yourself second. Sometimes you need a guy that can get in people's face and do that. Guys like Jerome Bettis was that guy for the Steelers. James Ferrier, Ryan Clark have been that guy. Cameron Hayward. Cameron Hayward comes over and says, hey, young guy, you'll get yours when the team wins. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, put your ego on a put your ego on your back and let's Let's go team first here. You're going to listen. You see that with T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick backing it up, but take a Minka Fitzpatrick. You you listen to him talk. He's not going to be that guy. He's not going to – like, he's a great leader, great in the film room. Everyone loves him on the field. He's making sure everyone's in the right spot. But you put him in – he's not going to go up to someone and chew him out. He doesn't have that kind of personality. And I think the Steelers finding a Najee Harris, who everyone loves – Mm-hmm. And who has that? I think he can be that kind of leader that the Steelers have needed for a while and haven't had. You said in your article, and, and it was it was pinpoint. There was nobody to put you. You know, for Antonio Brown to listen when he was losing his mind on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. You had, uh, I think it was Darius Hayward Bay maybe to come over and try to talk to him when he's throwing Gatorade coolers around, but he didn't respect him. Yeah. 
you know, Pouncey come over later, but it had already started to cool down. The damage had been done. There mm-hmm. was nobody on that offense that could put certain people in line and hold them accountable. And yeah. even Cameron Hayward, I think Cameron Hayward is at a point now that he would go to an offensive guy and say, listen, son, you know, yeah. that ain't sure. how we do things. But mm-hmm. at that point, AB's the biggest star and wide receiver in the league, and Hayward is still on his way up. Yeah. So when people got to think about that. You know, a lot of times your leaders, there has to be a certain respect factor. They've had to earn earn it, you know, with Pro Bowls, all pros, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so I don't think there was anybody really there that, that had a prayer of getting him in line. If Tomlin couldn't, and, and nobody was going to. And especially – and one of the things I, I did I haven't been able to get into in these articles because they tend to be long, is when you have a player like an AB who has a problem, Ben Roethlisberger is the guy he kind of has a problem with. It's like, you should have thrown me the ball there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ben's like, well, I was following the play. Ben can't be the guy who also goes there and says, hey, AB, you need to get along with me. I'm your quarterback. You need someone else to go there and be like, AB, dude, chill. Like, get along with your quarterback. Get things going. You'll be fine. Ben can't be that third party. No. Has to be somebody else. When yeah. he's already inside of it. And I, I think that was a problem. And you see that with the receivers. The receivers are where, when we talk about me first, Le'Veon Bell, yeah, he's in that. But mostly it's that receiver room. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Ben was never the guy who kept that receiver room in check. And to and to, to this day, it strikes me that the big problems with the receiver started in 2012 the first year Heinz Ward was not in that room. Yeah, yeah. Whereas before that, you had Heinz. You got a Super Bowl MVP guy. You know, it's right mm-hmm. there. He, you listen when he talks. Well, that was the timeline. I mean, it was obvious when oh, it yeah. changed. That You know, the young money and, and all that. But um, I know we want to talk about what's going on at camp. But did you yeah, see? Yeah, we've gotten way off topic. Did you see what Cameron Hayward said about what being said? Today, I did he was not. Like, he was like, uh, he disagreed with Ben. He said it bothered him. Now, he said he had all the respect for Ben's accomplishments and he understood what Ben was saying, but that he didn't think that the me first was the problem that Ben was making it out to be. And he, so he tried to show that leadership today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he didn't say any, he didn't badmouth Ben or nothing, which I didn't think Ben was badmouthing anybody either. He'd yeah. give his honest assessment. And Cam give his honest assessment. He disagreed with it. That shows the leadership, and there's no doubt mm-hmm. that Cam Hayward is the leader on that team now. So absolutely, and I think the reason we got we the reason we got into the whole leadership discussion is mm-hmm. Najee Harris is showing, yeah, yeah, that he can be the guy to step up and be that leader for a young offense where not many people have more a lot. You know, he, he's one of the younger guys, but not by much. No, not no, by no. much. And he can be that kind of a leader. They're all young. <laughs> They're all. Everyone across that offense is young. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. All right. We've talked about wide receivers now. So let's talk about the wide receivers at camp. Uh, notably, one guy who took a page from TJ Watt's playbook and did mm-hmm. not participate in team activities. I want to be clear on this. Deontay Johnson did take part in individual exercises, but did not take part in team exercises. Shannon, 
What do you think of Dante Deontay Johnson? I think they're calling it a hold-in is the new mm-hmm. terminology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, what, do you, what do you think of Deontay Johnson at camp? I understand. I, I can see both sides. Um, and and I think that the precedent was set last year with TJ Watt. Um, I've actually got an article coming out about this subject when I've seen that, you know, Deontay Johnson is doing a hold out or holding in or however you want to say it. But it's different situation in that me and you talked a little before the show, TJ Watt, you know, value over replacement player. What's the best defender in the world? He's the best edge player in the NFL. You know, th- that deal was going to get done. They just had to fine tune it and, you know, pitch, punch the numbers and, and make it work where everybody was happy, but it was going to get done. Uh, because you're talking about the best in the NFL at his position. It's a different situation with Deontay Johnson in that with a replacement player, I think he'd match or even exceed what I think his numbers could be this year. And a couple of guys on his own team. Yeah. So, the, you know, this is another Heinz Ward Plexico Burst situation that the Steelers are going to pick one or the other between Deontay Johnson and Claypool is what I think is going to happen because I think Claypool is going to have a really good season in the slot. And I think Johnson will be have more explosive plays uh, and, and not have to do all that five-yard, you know, get open in under two seconds. But I don't think he'll see the overall targets he did before yeah. because he has Pickens, CA3, maybe Boykin. There's so much more talent now. And there's going to be competition for those those targets. So I, I don't think that Johnson is in the same position. He doesn't have the same leverage than Watt had. And, and I hope that this will be rectified quickly. He said he'd like to stay in Pittsburgh. Yep. If him and his agent would approach the stars and say, hey, 16, 17 million a year, you know, and 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 he can, you know, the stores feel like that's fair market value. They might pull the trigger, but if it's the 20 plus that some guys have gotten and then reportedly, you know, that he's should be in that range, then I think the stores will pass. I I'm starting to come to the, the idea that with the way receivers are taken off with their paychecks, the way receiver mm-hmm. money is just exploding. I think you're going to have to, you're going to find it hard for a team to have both a top wide receiver and a top quarterback on the same offense and be a good team Mm. because you're going to be eating so much of that. And you see that with Kansas city where they had to let Tyreek Hill go and Tyreek Hill ends up, uh, what was it? The dolphins he's with where they're not paying a quarterback yet. They got a young guy. (laughs) And I think that's what you're going to see is you're going to see top quarter, top wide receivers go to teams with very young quarterbacks that need that. Like a team sitting there saying, we don't have that go-to guy. Say a team like a team that should have signed a big name wide receiver, Chicago Bears, you got a young Mm -hmm. quarterback, you got nobody else. Bring in somebody this guy can rely on, somebody this guy can throw to when he's in trouble. That kind of a situation makes sense. Mm -hmm. But if you've got good players, you got good other wide receivers, why why are you going to pay one guy Mm -hmm. a ton of money and have to let maybe two or three guys walk? Mm-hmm. because of that it it doesn't make sense to me 
Uh, I, I don't think the Steelers are going to come to terms with Deontay Johnson. I could be wrong. Like you said, if it's a lower number, that could work. And people might remember this. Last year, TJ Watt eventually went to his agent and was like, look, the numbers they're given are good enough. Just sign it. Yeah. yeah he like, wanted I get that yeah. you're fighting for me to be like, not just the, <laughs> the highest paid, but like yeah, up another yeah. rung. But take what's there. I want it. I want this done. And that was, that's what it took. You know, Deontay Johnson might have to do the same kind of situation for an agent who wants to be able to tell other wide receiver clients, Hey, you know, I got this much for Deontay. I can get, I can get that much Mm -hmm. for you. It may take Deontay Johnson coming and saying, Hey, you know, just take that offer. And we'll see if that happens. We'll see how that happens. And we'll see, I, th- I think it's much more likely that the Steelers and Deontay Johnson are farther apart on where they think their values are mm-hmm. than where TJ Watt and the Steelers were. It was never a question of TJ Watt getting the most money. Like that was never the question. Mm-hmm. It was how much, but by how much is he going to have the most money with Deontay Johnson? Yeah. That could yeah. be a, that could be a big gap. Well, you, if Harris, I know he's on the rookie five-year deal, but if he turns out to be what we think he can be after year three, they might want to look at restructure. He might have earned it, and that's how they like to do a lot of times. Um, You have Claypool. If he can have the big year in the slot and, you know, with the mobile quarterback and really show what he's worth, he's going to be coming. Fryermuth is not got a five-year contract. He's got a four-year contract. So if he explodes, I mean, there is so many talented guys on that offense that, and we're not even talking about if any of the offensive linemen are, you know, or they have to go out and sign uh, a high price tackle. Let's say that Moore doesn't pan out like they hope or a core four doesn't improve. You know, you might have to pay, you know, right now they got the most expensive defense and the cheapest offense. You know, that, that yep. in the past, it didn't work. We had it the opposite. You Sometimes you got to be kind of closer to in the middle. So, mm-hmm. that, you know, everybody said, well, it don't matter. They got money. Well, they do right now because of the quarterback situation. But that won't last forever either. Hopefully not. Hopefully they find him the next franchise guy. And, and they're paying more, you know, a higher market. So, yeah, it, it's a, I just don't see it working out uh, with him unless he, like you say, says, okay, I'm okay with 17 mil. Yeah, I'm and, okay, I'm okay and, with taking yeah, that yeah. offer. It's a good offer, yeah. Yeah, I can see that too. One thing I found interesting, uh, when the Steelers were in team drills, they don't have Deontay Johnson out there. He's sitting out. When they went three wide receivers, it was Chase Claypool, George Pickens, and Cody White. Mm. And when they went two wide receivers... They took George Pickens off the field. The guys on the field, when they only had two receivers on the field for their team drills, it was Chase Claypool and Cody White. Mm. And that that was surprising to me. That's That was not who I would expect. I would have put him behind guys like Anthony Miller even and behind George Pickens uh-huh. and Calvin Austin the third, And even maybe Miles Boykin. Like, I would have put him behind those guys, but he – was number he was right there number two behind Deontay Johnson for that position. Is 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 that anything you can read into at this point of the of the offseason, Shannon? 
I would only say that he has more experience than the other guys in the offense. So on the Steelers, yeah, he's yeah, been here so longer. So they're trying to get, you know, they're actually trying to install Canada's offense now. And so they are more familiar with the offense than even the quarterbacks are, other than Rudolph. So they probably wanted to have him out there. Because if it's on early downs, you think it would be Claypool and Pickens or Claypool and Boykin because for the run blocking. Because both yeah. of them are superior run blockers than what I've seen out of Cody White. But me and you talked about before we started the show, Cody White's nickname amongst his teammates is the GOAT. And I've heard that twice now. And I've looked back trying to find out why his nickname is the GOAT. Because, you know, greatest of all time, when you, you know, usually that's reserved for when you're talking about your Tom Brady's, Jerry Rice, you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So if anybody out there, our listeners, have any idea why they call Cody White the GOAT or where that nickname came from, I'd love to hear it. Because yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not saying it, but maybe he's going to surprise us all this year. I just, you said that I looked it up. Okay. In 2021, this, 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 this is a good point on how much change there has been in this wide receiver room. In 2021, Cody White was sixth in receiving, receiving yards among wide receivers. 10th mm -hmm. among everybody, but he was sixth among wide receivers with 33 yards. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, 33 <laughs> yards receiving. Of players currently on the Steelers roster, do you know where he ranks as far as wide receiver yards as a Pittsburgh Steeler on the current roster? Uh, at, at receiver? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say third. Last year he was sixth alone last year. I'd say third. He's third. Yeah. Yeah. It's Deontay Johnson, Claypool. Claypool, Cody White, with a grand total of 33 yards as a what Pittsburgh Steeler. That is your third highest receiving total as a Steeler in that wide receiver. And I room. think it was on like six catches. So yeah. that's terrible. Yeah. And I think Anthony, I think Anthony Miller has like one catch and he's he's fourth. Yeah, yeah. There's just there's that much changeover. Oh, yeah. Uh yeah. on this receiver room that Cody White. <laughs> is when Deontay Johnson sits, Cody White is number two in wide receiver yards as a Steeler with 33. Yeah. <laughs> that is incredible to me. This brand new receiver group, brand new team. My goodness, what, what amount of change. And like you, well, he's talking about you know, Pickens had a monster first day. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, Almost made – he made two circus catches and almost had three, um, and, and the ball came loose when he hit the ground. Then you was talking about Rudolph hitting CA3 with a little dump off, a little uh, running back screen, and then zip 61 yards, he's gone. I'm just not used to that. I mean, yeah. the Steelers have been a bad screen team forever. <laughs> I don't even – you know, and, and uh, so now you got guys that can take it to the house. So, yeah. uh, and, and that's going to create, you know, we're talking about getting less touches for Harris. All that is going to um, keep drives alive, extend drives, and have another guys produce and contribute. 
And, you know, so you might not have to take him off the field very often because he won't be getting hit two yards in the backfield every time. See, that'll take a lot of that wear and tear off. Yeah, absolutely. I want, I want to talk about one other thing with these receivers because uh, you, you brought up that you saw stuff about it where they were using rugby balls yes. in drills. And the first time through a drill, they would be catching rugby balls. And this is incredible because – we have had people uh, who who write for our site and do podcasts talk about they should have them practice catching rugby balls. Mm-hmm. And I never took them seriously, Maddie. Uh, I think it would have been Maddie who was saying that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, from, from uh, t- Steelers touchdown under. And then all of a sudden, the Steelers are doing it. I thought that was just, I was like, no, that's, a, that's not a thing. That's not going to help you learn to catch. And the Steelers are out there. First time through a drill, they're throwing rugby balls. And then the second time, they're throwing footballs. And Shannon, you said uh, that that it looked like it was working. They said they had one drop. When they switched through the whole drill, there was one drop. And and you said that it was Anthony Miller who brought the rugby ball. Yeah. And and he'd been working with training in the offseason, and they used the rugby ball. So it helped improve this because, you know, the rugby ball's bigger and heavier. So, uh, I mean, it sounds like a great idea. And if it works, hey. (laughs) It works. It works. You know what? Maybe that coach listened to Touchdown or maybe listened to Matty. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Maybe listen to them ranting about it. It it took me back. When I heard that story, all I could think of was elementary basketball when they broke out those medicine balls, uh, and I was like the scrawniest kid in the world, and I had to catch those things multiple times. I was knocked over by medicine balls trying to catch them because I was so small compared to all the other kids trying to play basketball. I, I'm just absolutely stunned that this is a thing the Steelers are doing, and that all of the players liked it. George Pickens gave uh, that drill credit for one of his big catches he made mm-hmm. downfield where he was like, yeah, I like the way I used my hands was how I had to adjust to catch a rugby ball because yeah, it yeah. came harder. And so it's harder to catch and you have to catch it a little differently. And he's like, that's how I caught that ball. And I'm just looking at that going, oh my gosh, poor, poor fourth grade uh, Jeffrey Benedict sitting there with those medicine <laughs> balls tucking him right in the chest and just wanting nothing more than to go home and be done playing sports altogether. But uh, I think that some at some point, I think it was OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., when he made that one-handed catch, then it seemed like every receiver wanted to make one-handed catches. Mm-hmm. Even when they could have stretched and got two hands on the ball, they start, you know, because that gets the oohs and the ahs. You don't do that with a rugby ball. No. So you really have to focus on your form. So I think that was a good drill. I really do. <laughs> I love it. It's... And this is the kind of stuff we get to talk about right now, too. Yes. Like, this is, like this is this is the kind of stuff we get to talk about. And speaking about one-handed catches, another player I want to bring up is Minka Fitzpatrick, who is at camp, who was out on the field, but is listed with a non-football injury from falling off a bicycle while on vacation and apparently has a little bit of soreness. Yeah, They didn't say which wrist, but he was out on the field catching with his left hand. Mm-hmm. So... It's pretty obvious his right hand, <laughs> his right wrist is a little sore. Yeah. 
And they were out there. They there's a clip of him. He, they're just throwing him the ball, and he's catching it one-handed with his left hand. And he caught he caught probably seven or eight straight. I was I was shocked. I like you throw me a tennis ball. I couldn't catch it with my left <laughs> yeah. hand. And uh, I don't know if you've seen. Uh, I was reading that they was talking about uh, Connor Hayward that was lined up. I guess I don't know if he was in the slot or out wide, and said he torched the guy that was covering him. Said that the guy couldn't believe you know his 10 yard, you know, that he had that kind of burst and and he got right behind the the defense because he shocked him. Because if you look at him, you don't expect that. Mm -hmm. But I think he is more athletic, not just versatile and well-rounded, but I think he's more athletic than people give him credit for. And, and I think he's going to shock a lot of people, but you know, they said he looked good and, and, you know, for a guy, a player that, that looks like him is not a, a freak athlete, for him to stand out to where people notice in the very first practice, that's good. Yeah. That's good. And he hits people too. So if he's got that quickness yeah, and yeah. he can hit you, all he's the, the thought of him coming up like at the like towards the stem of his route and just going full tilt at somebody and they're just turning it into him and chucking him onto the ground because it's a run play as they're like <laughs> starting to backpedal thinking, oh, I might get beat here. And then boom, <laughs> you're just on the ground. I want to see it. That's, oh yeah, like, yeah. I'm looking that's, forward that's to that's it. That's the yes. stuff of Steeler fans' hearts, right there. Uh, I can't wait to see him on backs, on backers, ends on you know tight ends, on on defensive ends, all the stuff. Tomlin's already said he's going to match him up with Cameron with Cam. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> that's a mismatch. That's you know? a mismatch. <laughs> might, and, and hey, if he puts Connor Hayward blocking Cam Hayward, who you don't want to be is the guy who gets Connor Hayward. After that, afterwards, yes. After yes, his yes. brother just kicked his butt, you don't want to be the guy who has to face him when he's looking to get back. Yeah, but make Cam cover him. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll that'll make it fair. Make Cam cover him. <laughs> hey, Cam led the team. He tied yeah. Akella Witherspoon for passes defended last year with yeah, nine. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, he might. He, you know, don't underrate. Don't underestimate Cam Award. He might. He's he great. Might but do I don't it know if he can cover Connor. <laughs> Oh, man. And speaking of Cameron Hayward, one of my favorite moments from uh, not today, but yesterday when they were reporting. Cameron Hayward's walking. He's got his Ohio State shirt on. He's mm. walking up there, and all of a sudden you hear Tomlin's voice calling to him. You hear, hey, old man. <laughs> and Cameron Hayward looks up to where Tomlin is, and it's like, I can't remember exactly what he said. I'm like, I know you're not talking to me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Well, and, he's going. Like, come, and he's like, come find me when you need me. And then just turns and walks <laughs> yeah. off. I was like, I loved it. Cause it was like, he, he's Tomlin is so great at just riling players up yeah, and getting yeah. them in that sore point and really working them yeah. to get them fired up for practice. And he's already, I mean, Cam's just trying to, Cam's bringing his luggage into the building and Tomlin's already on him. I loved well, it. Absolutely Cam's loved got it. Ben's old dorm room. Really? You know, yeah. He, the, the, and, Thomas said he used to like to stop by Ben, Ben's room because he had it decked out. You know, he spared no mm-hmm. expense. He said Cameron is a throwback. He's like a caveman. He don't have nothing in there. So <laughs> he was joking about it. It wasn't no fun to go by Cam's room now. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I had not seen that. Oh, uh, you man, said a- that Mark Robertson. See, I was looking, trying to find anything about Mark Robertson. Yes. Because I know when the helmets go on, He's going to be the talk of the camp. You watch. But, 
But I, I said, it was, you know, I ain't going to hear nothing about him today. But you yeah. said you did. Yeah, it was. It was some like someone made a comment of uh, like one of the running backs went out and they threw a pass to him and Mark Robinson defended and they were like and they just made the comment that he he made a good play on it and I was like, well there you go. Yeah, yeah. there you go. And that's that's fascinating to me because that is the one area where you're able to pinpoint with Mark Robinson in college and say he was bad legitimately yeah. bad to the point that you have to wonder if an NFL team can even put him on the field, even have him on the roster and the chance that if you have to put him on the field, you know, he can't cover. And then first day of training camp <laughs> makes the play in coverage. It's only one, but, but hey, Shannon, it's a start. It's a start. <laughs> Shannon, where, where, where are you on Mark Robinson right now? <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm a believer, baby. I'm a believer. I was hitting it, and I still am. So, all right. So, I want to do this. We were going to do expectations. Uh, that kind of fell through. We just got going. We were talking about all kinds of different stuff here. But I want to get one. I want to ask you this, and if you want me, if you want me to, I'll go first. But one thing you think the Steelers have to do this training camp, or one thing that you have to see from the Steelers this training camp, what would it be? Uh, one thing. Yeah. Well, my thing all offseason, I think the key without being and without the clutch factor is time of possession. So to be able to achieve time of possession, they have the talent in all the skill position players. The offensive line has to improve to at least average. And if they do that, they'll be able to create a lot of third and short where they can convert and have a lot of options with the mobility of quarterback Harris and, and all the additional receiving talent. If the offensive line can hold up their end of the market, that's been the huge weakness for three years. So the offensive line is the key. I think that needs to be settled as early in camp as it can be on a starting five. I do not think Kendrick Green should be competing with Dotson for, I'm sorry for left guard. I just don't see it. I think Dotson will, win that pretty handily when the, the pads go on and everything. So, yeah, for me, it, it has to be that offensive line. Uh, one good bit of news, they some of the people were talking about um, Daniels, and they said that's a full-grown man. That he, he just looked better than everybody else. You know, you could just tell yeah. that, that he is hitting his prime and he's ready to, to take off. And – not just the leadership, but I think on the field, he is going to be by far their, their best lineman. So I was glad to hear that today, that, that just the way he carried himself, the way he went through the drills, that he stood out. Yeah. I, I You brought up Kendrick Green. I want to bring up that uh, a couple of reports I saw. One was when they came out with the first team offensive line, there were six players, mm-hmm. and they had Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green both there. So they had six when they were did the first line drills. There were six of them: Kendrick Green and Kevin Dotson, both out there. Uh, the second thing I want to say is that he, Kendrick Green, did not do any snaps at center. He did no center work, which looks to say he is a guard, and the Steelers have no interest in putting him back at center, or or seeing if he can work on it and improve. Maybe that'll change throughout, but in day one, to react to day one, mm-hmm. no center work 
for Kendrick Green. The guy is a guard. And that, that, oof, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. We'll see, though. Maybe that's what he needs. Maybe that's what he needs. And he could pull a Kelvin Beecham, you know, and be that yeah. guy that surprises yeah. you. And you're always like, yeah, but how is he? How is he that good? You know, mm-hmm. and hey, maybe Kendrick Green can be that guy. Who knows? We'll have to see. My one thing, that's a great one to say that the offensive line coming together, the offensive line performance is absolutely killer. So key for this Steelers team to do. The one thing I want to see, the one thing I absolutely need to see from the Steelers is a commitment to the outside zone run game. Mm. Absolutely need to see it. Uh, I've got I've got an article and I'm putting the finishing touches on it. That's just one of my short little film rooms talking about the outside run game and Matt Canada's offense. The Steelers could not run outside zone in 2021. They couldn't do it. And in tw- and there's so many things in Matt Canada's offense that play off the ability to run outside zone. Mm-hmm. Because the minute you start to run like you're blocking outside zone the defenders know they have to get outside you, right? Mm-hmm. And if they don't if they don't win that outside and they let the offensive line win that outside, then they've lost the play. And there's so much you can counter off of that because of how strongly the defense has to react to outside zone blocking if you can do it well. Mm-hmm. That you can do little play, you can do counter direction things off of it that really are hard to defend. Matt Canada does those plays really well. I want to see the Steelers executing, working on, and bringing the outside zone run game into their offense. I know I, I'm parodying KT Smith. He's also very high on that. I, I'm right there with him. Yep. That is so big to everything, to uh, not everything, but to a lot of the things that Matt Canada does that are really good, especially those little shovel passes. If you can run mm-hmm. outside zone, you run that tight end back the other way, you've got defense. They don't know which direction to go. Yeah, yeah. And you're, it's just so hard to defend that. They need to see that. I need to see that commitment. I need to see the execution. Mm-hmm. So we're both going offensive line. I'm yeah, going yeah. over specifically there. You're going. <laughs> you you want to see them to come together, be a unit. I want to see specifically the Steelers commit to that outside zone technique. <sighs> Let's hope we get it. That's that's. I mean, that's the thing. We're talking all the stuff we can see right now. None of it's about the offensive line. The offensive line doesn't show up for a while and really you know, show what they can do for quite a bit. We'll see. Hopefully. It was the Achilles heel. And, and, it, and it can't be anymore. Yeah. 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 All right, Shannon, let, what do you have coming up? Let the people know. I've actually got a article. Uh, I started it the, today when I seen that Deontay Johnson was doing the, the holding in. Uh, you know, taking a page out of TJ's playbook from last year. So just talking about, you know, there's a difference in saying somebody's worthless and saying they're not worth it. So yeah. that's that's pretty much the basis of the article. So keep an eye out for it. And I would like to take this opportunity to wish my son Cameron a happy 23rd birthday and uh, just uh, uh, to say how proud that his mother and I are of him. And uh, I said, well, I want to use this platform to, to wish him a happy birthday. So, Absolutely. Birth- absolutely. Happy birthday, Cameron. Uh, I want to say I've got 
the Vertex I mentioned on Jeremy McNichols coming up, uh, that collab with J- Dave Schofield that is one of my favorite articles I do. Uh, watch for Matt Canada and the outside zone and why that works so well and and how the Steelers really need to put that back in their game. Uh, that's both, both of those are coming up. I think all my training camp confidential stuff was out. If you missed the training camp confidential, uh, go to the website. There's there's links to click on there. There's a whole bunch of articles. Shannon has some. I have some. Whole bunch of stuff to get you caught up on everything Steelers related right before training camp, heading into it. Get you a nice, nice, nice place of where the Steelers are right now. Make sure you go over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Check out the training camp confidential. Make sure you're checking out all the shows on Behind the Steel Curtains family of podcasts. Wherever you're listening to this, you can listen to the rest of them. So make sure you're clicking and checking out those episodes. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everyone in our live chat. We're getting a bunch of birthday wishes for Cameron. Mm-hmm. Thanks for Thanks, those. Guys. Thanks. And as always, have a great week. And let's go Steelers. Oh, how it rips me, but love makes me live for tomorrow.